This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Here's Speroni, who rolls the ball out to Cannon. He's got options in front of him. He picks out Thomas. This is a nice-looking move from Palace. That's a neat ball to Ambrose. A space on the right. Good turn. He crosses into Johnson! Oh, yes! Back of the nest! Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Show. I'm your host Chris Hambing and I'm here to take you through our review of the opening day victory for Palace at Fulham. We'll be covering all the talking points from the game as well as working our way through the questions submitted by you, the listeners. My panel tonight consists of Mike Scott, DR Kernas and Chris Clark. We'll be right with you after this short message. Love our podcast. Listen to our live radio show on Love Sport every Thursday, 7 till 9 p.m., 5, 5, 8 a.m., DAB Digital Radio and online, lovesportradio.com. Right, we are then. So obviously this is the first Back of the Nest review show of the season and um, yeah, moving to our new identity. And obviously that will come with plenty more than just the podcast. There'll be three a week. Um, so you've got Obviously, Terence's preview show, the Love Sports show on a Thursday, and then on a Sunday, you have our review show. Obviously, we'll move around depending on when the fixtures are, all that kind of stuff. But in addition to those three podcasts, there is coming a brand new website uh, back end of August we're currently looking at, uh, although that may shift because it's awful, an awful lot of work. But that will be hosting lots of written and video content created by ourselves and also created by you. And there'll be a host of features so you can interact in more ways than ever. Uh, a little bit of uh, an announcement as well. To say um, We've announced it on social media, but also I want to say it on the show. And that's uh, uh, to wave goodbye for now to Lucy White, who has just let us know that she hasn't really got time to invest in the show uh, in the way that you have to. And I've said it before on this show, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun doing this, but you really do have to have a lot of spare time and be willing to give it up. Um, Otherwise, it can be very, very difficult just to keep up with everything and do the show. So gutted to see uh, Lucy go. She She's a very good friend of mine, so I'll, I'll still see her anyway. But um, obviously, thank you very much, Lucy, for all your hard work. And uh hope you continue as a, as a listener, as I'm sure you will. Um, just a quick chat with my panel. We'll introduce them once again. I'm sure most of you listening will know them all. 
Uh, but we'll start with the uh, the newest of the lot, and that's Mr. Chris Clark. Um, Hello, Chris. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, not too bad. Thank you. I mean, I, I might have had a little bit too much to drink yesterday at the after the Fulham game, but um, yeah, so far so good. That can happen, can't it? For some reason, you just yeah. get overexcited and all that kind of stuff. Now, you've done one show before, which was uh, some ex- or experimental stuff in the summer, but for those who didn't catch that, uh, just tell us a bit about yourself. Okay, so I'm a season ticket holder in the White Horse Lane stand. Um, I've been coming since I was 10, which is a long time ago, um, longer ago than I care to remember. Um, I'm a Labour councillor here in Croydon as well, um, and I've, I've just um, rushed across from uh, watching the Man City game. Um, I'm now revealing that we're recording um, in advance. Um, so I've, <laughs> yeah, I've just rushed across um, from a pub over in Addiscombe, um, and yeah, it's been really nice. Good day. Lovely, lovely. And it's great to have the football back as well. I've, uh, I've watched way too much football. Um, okay, we've also got Mike Scott. Um, you'll probably know Mike as well. Joined us quite late last season. Uh, those of you that listened to the Love Sports show, he was the one who started naming various items of pornographic magazines um, and terrified us all. Hi, Mike. Hello, ladies and gents. Hello, Chris. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you very much, mate. Looking forward to the new season. Yeah, I am. Um, I was pleasantly surprised with how drama-free it was yesterday. And, and after the game, I got to go off and watch Iron Maiden at the O2 as well. So it was a, it was a lovely day. They're still alive? Uh, they're about the same age as my dad. Um, mm-hmm. You could see they were struggling a little bit yesterday. Like um, the, one of the guitarists, like his chins kind of just blended into one as he sort of stretched <laughs> for those higher notes. Um, but yeah, they're still doing it. That's great Better news. than me, probably. Yeah, exactly. And hang on a second, it's only Dr. Kernaz. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. Dr. You probably know he's he's on everything that we do at the moment. Um, Dr. I'd like you to tell the listeners what question you asked me yesterday regarding some an item of food. Um, I can't remember. What did I ask? Uh, I wonder what it was. Dr. You know full well that you asked me essentially <laughs> if there was if there was a ham if there was ham in hamburgers. Uh, come on now how old are you 18 you run a kebab shop (laughs) yeah that's why what was it (laughs) (laughs) what was it you said about your menu you you were concerned about I was like why do we have false description because a hamburger is not a ham I thought it technically was pork I was like I know this ain't pork why do we it was it was it was very confusing for me that's why I never had a hamburger you're concerned about legal action against your kebab shop because of the <laughs> Trades Description Act, because you were, <laughs> wow, wow. You're a special kind of guy, aren't you? But um, anyway, that, ladies and gentlemen, is your very special panel. And, uh, well, we're going to get talking about the Fulham game right away. Um, but first of all, just a quick round the table, guys. Off the first game of the season, I put it on Twitter. I just have that real, that, that, it's a unique feeling, I think, ahead of the first game where I'm both supremely confident because I look at the team that we've got and I, th- I think we've got a really good first eleven and, and a much better squad than people really give us credit for. And I thought, you know, we're going to a promoted side. They've got all this disruption from buying all these players and everything together just made me really, really confident. But at the same time, I was absolutely terrified and convinced that what happened against Huddersfield at the start of last season was going to happen again and it would throw everything out of whack and, you know, all the negativity would come steaming back. So I had those two massively conflicting emotions happening at the same time. And I just felt pretty weird, to be honest with you. (laughs) How were you feeling ahead of the game, Chris? 
all my most Eeyore-ish of friends were really upbeat. And yeah, I was expecting when I when I rocked up um, at the King's Head um, just before the game, um, I was expecting them to be saying, "Oh, I'm I'm really worried about it." They weren't. I wasn't. And you know, actually, I mean, before before the game, obviously, as I'm saying, you know, we I shared and we shared the optimism that um, you know that a lot of people were feeling, I think, you know, because we'd got a stable squad for once and we'd strengthened in the areas we needed to. So we were really confident. But then I think we're going to talk about the game later. So we won't go into that, that first early spell yet. But um, that that confidence wasn't 100% mirrored by what happened on the pitch, was it? <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, and as you say, we will talk in a bit more detail about it. But just, yeah, all, all, your, all your fears started to come true in that first few minutes there. Uh, Mike, yourself, uh, ahead of the game, how are you feeling? Well, I think me and producer Mikey were the only two in the back of the Nest Predictions League to go for a draw. I don't think anyone went for a defeat. Um, but I'm always really dubious about playing the promoted sides. And um, a bit of a vested interest in Fulham. Um, some of my family have been season ticket holders there for a long time. So um, I sort of follow them a little bit more keenly than I did most championship sides last season. And I did think... Uh, that we'd have a tough afternoon. So I was pleasantly surprised. I was a bit disappointed with Fulham more than anything else after their after their early start. Um, I thought they left much too much space at the back and they're going to have trouble this season if they if they keep on doing that. But uh, yeah, I, I, once we went, went one nil up, I, I kind of didn't really think we were going to throw it away. Well, there you go. And DR, you, you and I went to the game together and I know you were pretty nervous before it. Obviously, I suspect part of that was um, worrying about the fact that you and I were in the home end. But um, but also, I suppose, um, you know, you, it's, it's that fear of the unknown at the start of the season, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, before before the game before the game started, as I was walking to the ground, that's when the nerves kicked in. Overall, I was excited because of the football we played in pre-season. You know, we've scored, I think... Uh, Twenty? How many goals? Twenty plus or something? Yeah, it was twenty-one or something. Yeah, it? something yeah. like that. Yeah, and in small amount of games, so it was exciting. Some of the football we played. So, yeah, when we went to the ground, that's when the nerves start kicking in. But yeah, overall, I was buzzing for the season to start because I'm expecting big things with the signings we've got this season. There you go, and, and you know most of those signings actually didn't have anything to do with, with the uh, with the result either, which. I don't know. That's uh, and that's something we'll certainly get into. I know we've got a few questions on that as well. Okay, there you go. That sets the scene for us, gents, about how we're all feeling. And the lineup came in, and um, yeah, no, no one knew. We started with a back four that I think everyone would have picked. But um, let's start with the goalkeeper. A lot of uh, discussion over whether Wayne would start. I think most of us, most certainly most of you that I've spoken to, had a similar opinion to myself that you know. The way Roy is, we we expected Hennessy to start because he finished the season so strongly, and in, in the end, you know Hodgson's effectively confirmed that in his his post match discussions that it was a bit of it was kind of a fifty fifty toss of a coin decision, but he felt that you know the the end of the season that that, that Wayne did so well, he didn't really deserve to be dropped, um, and you know we'll get into this, but uh, he certainly repaid that faith. But I suppose. Um, question to, to any of you guys starting with you Chris was it anything of a surprise to you that Wayne started and or, and were you disappointed to see it 
Not a surprise because, as you say, um, you know, it was fairly clear from the fact that at the Toulouse friendly, it was it was expected and announced that uh, Hennessy was going to be in goal. Um, so, and Roy's way of doing things is to stick with players who haven't screwed up. And Hennessy had made many screw ups earlier in the season, but not at the end and not in pre-season. So it wasn't a surprise. Um, was it disappointing? I'd, I'd really like to see Guaita play sooner rather than later in the Premier League and see whether he can deliver at this level. But um, And there's every expectation and reason to believe that he can because we've seen what he's, he's done in Spain last year. Um, and yet, you know, as, as um, Roy said himself, Hennessy demonstrated yesterday that he really deserved his place and I, I think it will be hard to dislodge him now yeah and we'll certainly talk about the reasons why that uh why he might have been spurred on but Mike if you look at the other end of the pitch where Fulham um did change their keeper from last year Bettinelli was their were their keeper in the championship speaking to their fans he hadn't done an awful lot more wrong although one of the guys from the Fulhamish podcast suggested that he had concerns over whether he was Premier League quality, but ultimately they've dropped a player and re- replaced him with a, you know, a, a shiny new signing, and their keeper didn't have the best of games. So is that an example of the danger and why Roy's taken the decision he has? Yeah, they they started six or seven new players, or, or, or at least fielded them. Um, so I mean that was pretty risky. Um, but if anyone is going to be the person to say no, I'm not bowing to pressure from a new signing. Um, to start just because they had a decent season last year at another club. It's Roy. Um, and as he said in the post-match, he will just stick with Hennessy because of what he did last year. And and that's the kind of man he is. And Dio, I suppose the last question on this would be, um, do, you know, how how does Guaita get back in if, if Hennessy plays like that? And if, you know, would you be happy with weighing the rest of the season on that form? I suppose you've got to be, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I if Hennessy does play like that all, um, all season, then I don't see Gaita coming back in. I think he will get his chances in the cup. But then again, if Hennessy doesn't screw up, I don't see him starting uh, in the Premier League for us. But yeah, it's it's good because last season, I was talking about PVA and Hennessy performing consistently. And PVA has, at the start of last season, he was he was really terrible and people were suggesting to sell him. But, you know, he's now performing consistent bases and one of our best players. And, it's hopefully the same happens with Hennessy. Um, end of last season, he was he was performing consistently. I know many people didn't speak about it due to our quality going forward, but he was he was pretty decent. And hopefully, if he does on a consistent basis, then that'll be good for the whole team because uh, we'll have two very good Premier League goalkeepers. Yeah, and obviously a lot of attention, and I suppose a lot of people, certainly those who were, should we say, more supportive of Hennessy, will be feeling pretty smug at the moment. Um, you know, we we certainly got some stick on this show, myself in particular, uh, for being very critical of Hennessy. And I'll, and I'll just say one thing on that, really, that I'm absolutely delighted that Hennessy played brilliantly. And, I, and I've always said personally that if if he performs to a, to a, to the Premier League level, I'll be so so happy to 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 just not have to complain about him. Um, and what I, I you know I looked at him again. I looked at the highlights back just before we started recording. Um, and he he looks the sort of physically the fittest I think I've ever seen him. He looks very lean. I think at the start of the most seasons that he's been at Palace, he's looked like he's you know he's put on a bit of summer weight, and he takes a while to kind of drop that. Now he dropped that at the back of back end of last season, uh, and became a lot sort of sharper because of it. And he's kept that up over the summer, and he looks so 
so lean that that I think that's going to help him, you know, with, with his, his sort of instincts, if you like. And then sort of beyond that as well, just watching him in, you know, walking around the goal and his positioning for, you know, for crosses and, and, and as the opposition attack, he looks so switched on. And that's always been a criticism I've had of him that he kind of doesn't seem to keep that focus, that real intensity throughout the course of 90 minutes. And I certainly couldn't label that at him yesterday. He was focused from the very first second to the very last. And that, you know, that's the keeper we want. And yes, uh, you know, Guaita might finish the season asking why on earth he joined Palace. But if that's the effect of, of signing him and putting that pressure on, on Wayne Hennessy and, and Wayne is number one for the rest of the season, then I'll be delighted for that as well. And uh, it was really nice to see him get a lot of uh, got to get a lot of love from the fans too. Uh, but anyway, to finish up on the lineups, the back four pretty much picking itself. I suppose the highlight is that uh, Wan-Bissaka is first choice over Ward at the start of the season. And we'll come back to that in just a second. But obviously, Sacco and Tompkins still unbeaten as a centre-back partnership for Palace in competitive football. That is... A, tremendous statistic uh, and, and just keeps running and obviously PVA as you've mentioned they are absolutely superb as a left back now and again you saw it in the game he's just not doesn't just stay there you know when he decides to get involved in, the, in an attacking sense he can run all the way over to the right hand side of the pitch and um, you know we'll come to that later on we had a disallowed goal and where he scored that from but you know, that back four is extremely strong and picking itself. So but let's, uh, and I'll start with you on this, DR, because you and I were watching it very, very intently. And it's, um, you know, obviously we talked, we, we, you know, there was a battle between with Wan-Bissaka and, and Sessegnon that we'll talk about later. But just in general, um, how delighted are you that Wan-Bissaka is, is the first choice right back at the start of the season? Yeah, I'm very delighted. He's, he's young, he's got bags of potential and he's a terrific defender. I'm just nervous that, at the end of this season, the same, you know, just like Wilf, there's going to be rumours hopping up, oh, this uh, Tottenham, one of the top six clubs will want him. That's what I'm nervous about. But other than that, I'm hopefully he keeps that up because he's played, you know, in his first six games or seven games for Palace, he already played top opposition. He played against Tottenham, United, Chelsea, and he, you know, he settled in quite well. And I'm really excited to see what he could do throughout the season. He got an assist yesterday. And I know we'll talk about it later, but I was very happy on the way he got that assist as well. Yeah, I was talking to, to a mate of mine over the summer. We, he was discussing signings with me. And I kept saying to him, the thing I'm most excited about this season is a full season of Aaron Wan-Bissaka and what he might be able to achieve. Uh, Chris, I mean, you've, you've you know probably seen a few debuts like me and we go back to, to Klein in terms of impressive right-backs who, who can who were playing at a level as soon as they started. But to play in the Premier League at that level, and, and he's never dropped, you know, it's only, a, okay, not a huge number of games, but he just seems to get better. Clear he's being slightly coached through games, um, but it's the way he seems to, you know, he seems to Im- improve throughout the course of the 90 minutes as much as game by game that, that really impresses. Yeah, absolutely. And even when he does make a mistake, he's got the pace to be able to make it up and you know run back and re-tackle the player. Um, I barely saw him misplace a tackle yesterday. Um, and he, he, was, he was just fantastic to watch. And as, as you say, he got better through the game as well. Plus the, the, the speed and, and the skill with which he, he was you know exchanging the ball with, with um, other players, especially Wilf down the right-hand side, it, it was just really impressive, fantastic stuff. And you know, looking forward to the season. Yeah, definitely. He's a very, very strong player. And Mikey loves a slide tackle. He's a bit old school in that sense, isn't he? 
Uh, yeah, there was a, there was some great uh, slide tackles yesterday from him and Tompkins. Um, what I would say is I don't think Joel Ward would have been able to handle Ryan Sessignon. I think that would have been his idea of hell yesterday. And um, Wan-Bissaka, he had, he had the better of him for, for a long period of the game and more than that, he could keep up with his pace and he could second guess where he was going to be. There were some really telling balls from uh, uh, Cyrus Christie. Um Ones that I think if, if if I had any bad thing to say about Hennessy, it was that there was a couple of balls just on the edge of the six-yard box that he didn't come out for. Um, and both times, Wan-Bissaka got in front of Ryan Sessignon. And those were just the kind of tappings that he was getting last season, Sessignon, in the championship. So, obviously, he'd done his homework on him. He'd realised the kind of threat he, he had. So, he might be being coached through, but he's he's, he's obviously keeping keeping to what he's being told and, and, and doing it to the letter of the law. So, yeah, really great performance. Yeah, it's just um, it's just so nice to see a, you know, a young player come through and just play at that level. But I totally agree with DR. I think, you know, it's not going to be too long before he starts getting, you know, both transfer rumours and I really hope some, some serious international recognition because you can't, it, it's just it, the quality is there for everyone to see. Obviously, what we have yet to see is how he copes with, you know, a, a mistake which will happen or a dip in form that will happen. And I suppose that's where we really, hopefully, you know, when you look at the fact we've got Joel Ward sitting there trying to win that place back, that's hopefully where we've got a, a little bit of strength. Deal? Let's say, uh, you, t- you mentioned international level, I thought it would be a good time to mention it. Let's say he did get selected for England. Do you see him starting? Because I, d- I actually don't. Um, Kieran Trippier, uh, the formation we played, Kieran Trippier was a fullback, and I know Wan Bissaka can play there. But if you look at quality levels, I know Wan Bissaka is a brilliant footballer. But do you actually see Southgate starting Wan Bissaka over Trippier? Let's say he does get selected for England. I, th- I don't think short term, no. Uh, but I, I do think the fact that Southgate favours a back three and wing backs, I think that really does play into Wan Bissaka's hands if, if they're brave enough to give him a chance. And let's not forget, I think he's played one under, was it under 19s or under 18s game or, no, sorry, it was actually under 20s, wasn't it? And he got 45 minutes and then got sent off. But, um, you know, that that was the back end of last season. So I think that if he's, if he still qualifies, which I think he does, I think a couple of under 21 games first. Um, but I really do think if he keeps up that level throughout the course of half a season, he's got to at least be in the squad uh, and been given that chance to develop. Because you can't tell me, that you know, I mean, he's Alexander Arnold's a very good player in the same position, um, but you know, you just you just got to look at what Basaka has and what he has going forward in particular. From you know the fact that he he started his his career as a as as a as a winger, he's just very very strong. So I know what you're saying, Dr. Definitely, but um, I think getting him in the squad and and getting him in the, the starting eleven are, are two very different things. But he's still young. Yeah, I just I just hope. It's not the same scenario as Wilf where England, you know, don't keep selecting him and then afterwards Wan-Bissaka just has enough. I don't know if he could play for any other country. I haven't checked that. Yeah, it's DR Congo he can play for. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, hopefully it's not, none of that situation happens, which I could see happening if he doesn't get selected. Just hope that doesn't, (laughs) hope that's not the case. Certainly, certainly, you know, with a, I mean, you and I, we we were watching the uh, BBC commentary guys. It was Paul Parker and, Nick Godwin, who were directly in front of us at Fulham, and they, they were continuously sort of nodding and and 
sort of gesturing at everything Basaka did. You know, it's not just Palace fans who, who rate him. Everyone in, in football who watches him seems to be impressed. But um, there we go. Um, that was a little bit of a diversion there talking about the lineup, but it's just exciting talking about a, a, a prospect that's come through the academy and playing so well. Um, but let's talk about that first half early play. And Chris, you were mentioning it earlier, the fact that you, you know we got to the ground with a bit of confidence and then those fears started to, to come alive as we kind of surrendered possession and got put on the back foot. And I thought we personally, I thought we really struggled with, um, there were some sort of gaps between the front players and, and the midfield that, that stopped us getting any meaningful possession. And it was a bit concerning, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I was very uncomfortable with with the early, um, the first few minutes of that performance. You know, we we really struggled to get possession at all um, and meaningful possession. Um, you know, if, if we got the ball, we lost it again, and there there were just misplaced passes all over the place. It, it, we looked like we weren't organised, and that was quite surprising but not not at all what I'd expected from a side that had been coached by Roy and that had looked so fluent in pre-season and it took us a significant amount of time before we seemed to get the measure of the way that Fulham were playing round us and you know slowly we, we came back into the game and obviously that changed later on so um, yeah not not a good start it's fair to say. No, and, and Mike, do you think really it's it's just about that level of energy and that desire to prove themselves, you know, that, that you get from a from a newly promoted team? It's kind of what Huddersfield put put us to the sword about last season. It's that kind of level of enthusiasm. It's difficult to match if you've been established in the league, or or was it more than that? Were we just a bit off, you know, off off the pace? Yeah, I mean, you got to expect that they are just going to properly come out of the blocks, um, and I kind of was a bit disappointed with Fulham as the game went on, that there was less of it. Um, but if there's anyone that you back to turn a team round as soon as they have a, a drinks break for a, a, an injury or something, it's Roy. So I wasn't so concerned. Um, I, I think Mitrovic went close a couple of times and, and there was one particular save from Hennessy that was, was great. Um, but it didn't seem like they'd be able to keep that up. Um, and it didn't seem like the, the the pattern of play would remain that way for 90 minutes to me. And Dio, obviously, we were in, among, in and amongst the Fulham support and they were very loud right up until kick-off and then sort of went quiet and then the occasional, clap, occasional clapper break, which was uh, disappointing to say the least. But from, from, from our end, it was, um, you know, it was obviously all Fulham at the, at the start and talking about those saves from Hennessy, there was an early one from, from Cyrus Christie. He got down to his to his left and tipped around. And then as Mike said, there was a terrific save from Mitrovic. You kind of turned the defence and uh, and hit the ball across uh, across Hennessy, but it just bounced in front and he was able to tip it wide. And at that stage, it really did look bad for us, didn't it? Yeah, it did. As Mike said, um, I wasn't too like, fearful of uh, Fulham keeping up all game. Um, it was much expected. One, they knew you promote side and two, I think they fielded seven new players. So, both of them factors, the new players want to prove themselves to the manager. So I expected that. And not that our energy levels were low. It's just Fulham's were higher than ours. And five, ten minutes, we couldn't cope that. And as you said, um, talking about Hennessy, he, he played brilliant. And let's say one of them two, uh, one of them shots went in. It could have been a total different game considering how Fulham started. So, yeah, I have to give hats off to Hennessy. And, you know, he did sharp all the doubts yesterday, including me. 
Yeah, yeah, and look, definitely that is game is game changing. The first goal in this this game is always going to be incredibly important. You know, obviously newly promoted side, they score first. They, they could potentially just run away with it again. I go back to Huddersfield last season and what they did, but obviously us scoring first and, and when we did, it just puts that doubt into the mind of the newly promoted side that you know they've missed chances, things aren't quite going the way they did last season, uh, and it's just that the way the Premier League just punishes you. You know, we saw it when we came up. We've seen it a couple of times during promotions to the top division that just there is no there's no running there's no well there's no hiding from a mistake you get punished every single time uh, and it can be it can be soul destroying for for promoted teams and you know let's not joke about it you know Fulham are a very very good side they've spent an awful lot of money over 100 million quid in fact if you include loan fees it's probably near 130 140 million quid so that you know that's huge huge money and and they should be expecting to you know, to be finishing mid table with what they spent, but it's it's harder than just spending money and bringing players in. And um, but there you go, like you say, it could have been a very very different game without Hennessy making those saves. Uh, it wasn't just Hennessy making saves though in the first half. There was a a great cross after Wembasaka put Townsend in quite well on the right hand side. Uh, we know Andros can cross pretty well with that right foot. He does it long looping crossover drops into the six yard box area and Benteke looking like the Benteke of old. Fantastic header, great strength, turns those neck muscles, flips it sort of to go back across the keeper, uh, ends up and you can just see it. And we saw it again, didn't we, with the uh, with the replay monitors just in front of us where we were sitting. That It was just fingertips from the keeper that put it onto the bar. Otherwise, it could have hit the sort of underside of the bar and gone in. And it's great to see Benteke uh, playing that way, isn't it? Yeah, um, after a slow start, I think the game changed after that save, um, after that. Um, Schlupp, he scored a goal. I know that we're going to talk about it soon. But yeah, it was it was a very good header and you have to give it to the Fulham goalkeeper, Fabri. It was a fantastic save as well. <laughs> Unfortunately for him, after um, after the first goal, you know, the, the second goal was kind of his mistake. But then again, you've done good with the first save with Benteke's. Yeah, and, and Chris, Benteke's performance, a lot of people much more positive about it than they were last season. Obviously, people who saw the Toulouse game were impressed with his work rate. Um, I didn't see too much different, really, I'll be honest with you, because I thought last season he was playing pretty well. But there does seem to be this, he's a little sharper, a bit more, com- bit higher in confidence, uh, a bit more willing to, to put some efforts in on goal. Um, so what did you make of his performance versus the, the Benteke last season? I think it was the same Benteke as last season, just people believe this time. Um, he looked he looked really effective. He looked really confident. Um, you know, on another day, he could well have had a goal apart from a brilliant save, um, as you've described. Um, I, I I thought he looked great against Toulouse as well, and and he's clearly buzzing now. Um, there's getting that goal last week probably helped considerably. Um, and you know there was a lot of love from the the fans at the end of last season as well. It made a real difference. Clearly, knowing that he's part of the manager's plan, so that the manager's got confidence in him and he's still picking him, you know, makes a real difference. And you know, we I think we've got to back him. But as you say, and I completely agree with you, it was a very very similar performance to what he was doing last year. The difference is that he clearly believes that he's got something to contribute and that he can score goals. Yeah, I'd say that little bit, a bit extra that I saw was, I mean, other, other than, 
he didn't get as many opportunities last year to get get headers on target. I think he had a he also had another sort of snapshot that was quite well saved as well. I think during the second half, but I just felt. You know he was winning. He was winning everything in the air, and so many of the flick-ons don't go to Wilf. That you really think those two have got to start communicating a, a touch better because there's lots of opportunities there. But it just seemed that it's Yeah, you know there was just that extra five ten percent that I think allows people to to forget last season and focus on this. Mike, yeah. what did you make of, of Benteke um, as as a whole? And again, you know I'm not sure your views on him throughout last season, but obviously didn't score enough goals. But uh, did you see much of a difference? I think I probably agree with Chris in that I saw a bit of difference, but not not a great deal. There was um there was a chance the start of the second half, um and he definitely hesitated. He could have had a, a decent uh, first touch snapshot, and he didn't. He held off, and that stuck in my mind because I thought that that was more uh, the kind of Benteke we had last season when he was racked by doubt. He wasn't shooting. Uh, quite as often. But then there was a shot from outside the box, which I can't even remember him ever doing. Um, <laughs> and then that ball that set up Wambasaka for the second goal um, across, um, horizontally across the pitch came from him, if I remember rightly as well. Um, you know, that's not something I, I usually expect from him. The heading, obviously, I expect because his neck's bigger than my leg. Um, you know, it's, that's, the way it's, <laughs> that's the way it should be. Um, and I was gutted for him with... The, uh, the shot that was ticked onto the bar because I just thought the one thing I want to say today is Benteke just bundle one over the line. Um, if he could just carry on after Toulouse from last week. Uh, not to be, but yeah, I, th- I think he still needs to get back to the 100% confidence he had, the strut he had from two seasons ago. But, you know, to be shooting from 30 yards, that's not what he was doing last season. No, exactly. Then, you know, good chance next week against uh, his former club Liverpool to uh, to make a mark. Sorry, Dio, you want to make one last point? I oh, know you've given up. Your your hand was up and it's now gone. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. I was just gonna I was just gonna talk about his confidence it, against Toulouse. He played brilliantly, but but then again, you can't. You know, you you do you should expect expect that every game. But you know, it's still early days. It's only one game. We can't write him off after one game. And then again, as Mike said, he's taking shots outside the box. Last year, Benteke wasn't even taking shots; he was taking extra touches. So it was, you know, overall, I was I was pleased with what I saw. I think him and Wilf definitely need to do more communicating because at times they were just too far apart. And Benteke was winning headers, and there was Wilf was next to him, which was disappointing. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those things you've really just got to play games to, for that to come because. There's a couple of occasions where you could see Wilf hasn't actually gambled on Benteke winning the header. And in reality, if you if you think for a second, that's actually stupid because Benteke wins on, you know, you'd probably say 80, 85% of the headers that's of anything sort of chipped up to him. So really, more often than not, you've got to get yourself in that position. So I think that's just something something to work on. Um, but perhaps, obviously, last season where it didn't quite work out, perhaps that's just, again, you know, Wilf's, We've got to get used to that playing alongside Benteke. But there we go. Um, as as you mentioned though, um, during the course of that deal, you know, it wasn't that was kind of the catalyst for us to start playing a little bit better. And we really put um, put some pressure on, held some possession up well, and it was just that lovely sort of area we have on the left, really. That even the fact that Loftus Cheek isn't out there anymore, obviously Jeff Schlup, um, Pedro Van Arnholt and Wilf drifting out there, it can be a really good area of the pitch for us to attack. And we use that to our to our advantage. Um, and 
you know, this was an, an example of that. And it ended up with PVA after a couple of attempts of a pass, playing a lovely little reverse right right footed ball through to Jeffrey Schlup. Had so much to do, and I didn't I didn't expect didn't expect him to hit it, and clearly the keeper didn't either. But a fantastic finish high into the roof of the net from a from an acute angle. And um, first of all, Dr. Very very difficult, wasn't it, for us to contain ourselves sitting in the uh, sitting in the Fulham end. I uh, I put my hands up in the air to shout yes and realised what I was doing, and then quickly turned it to the head in the hands. Uh, which I thought was a great technique. Um, but uh, from our angle, I think we had a really good angle of it. Stunning finish, wasn't it? Yeah, it was brilliant. And you know what? What is surprising is that Sloppy um, all season, all preseason long, he's he's played a bit central. And yet again yesterday, he was playing a bit central um, when he got his goal and he managed to get it. So it's good to see that actually Slop can play a bit central and can do a half decent job. And as you said, Chris, when he did score, my heart was racing. I didn't know what to do because we were just surrounded by full. <laughs> fans so yeah it was quite the experience but overall I was so happy with the goal it was great finishing I, I don't think you can blame the goalkeeper with that and I love the celebrations afterwards it's, it's a bit surreal when you're sitting with the home fans and looking at it away and it just it was brilliant yeah. yesterday the atmosphere obviously you you videoed that and with us had a lot of attention on Twitter if you haven't seen it it's um, I think you just put scenes after the first goal didn't you on Twitter and it was just you know, obviously, all I wanted to do was be over there in the Palace fans celebrated it with them. But I have to say, it gives you a new appreciation of just how good the supporters are when you're in the home end watching it and hearing it as well, because it was it was really really loud. Um, and you know, as you say, they are really difficult watching a game in the home end because all every, all of your natural reactions are at the wrong time. So when when the entire home stand is groaning, you want to cheer. And when they're barracking Wilf, you want to defend him and all that kind of stuff. It's very, very tough uh, to watch that game. And towards the end, I think I just stopped caring and just started laughing. But um, yeah, very, very enjoyable. Uh, Mike, that goal showing that, you know, obviously Jeff Schlupp used to play up front in his very, very early days, has been a, been a left winger as much as he's been a left back. Uh, and that's showing his attacking instincts. But for the very first time for us, and um, do you think that's something that you can perhaps Bring, bring more, you know, is, is that the only way he's going to, I think I've got a question on this later on, but, you know, if I was going to drop a player based on our new signings, I, I would have thought Jeff Slott was one of the first that I might consider replacing, but, um, you know, not if he does that, I guess. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, Tell them, honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So I've still got the image of you jumping up in the air when, when we scored in the middle of the film, fans. <laughs> um, I, it reminds me of, I think it was 2001. Do you remember? Do you remember we were playing Liverpool in the League Cup, and it was like two legs, and we'd we'd won two one at home, and then yeah. the second leg, I managed to get a ticket in the cop, and we lost like five nil. <laughs> five and, nil, yeah. And when Kalinko got sent off, and I was just like, oh, 
<laughs> and then the guy next to me was like, what's up now? Like, um, and I was like, oh, I just don't feel very well. Um, yeah. <laughs> was, um, yeah, no, um, with, with Slop, I didn't actually know until recently that um, he had been a striker first off. Um, and he really is the most versatile player, isn't he? And it just, you could just about play him anywhere. When, when DR did the graphic the other day for, um, you know, our, our squad depth for, for Twitter, I mean, he could literally be the, the backup for about nine of the players. And that was a rocket of a finish yesterday. I didn't expect it. Obviously, the keeper, I, I don't know what he was doing. But, um, yeah, I mean... He's just, he's the most versatile backup player and he's got to be like Hodgson's ideal man, I would have thought. He's not going anywhere and and I think he, he's worth more now than what we paid for him by, by quite a long way. Yeah, it's a strange one. I think a lot of people questioned it when we signed him, you know, because we signed PVA at the same time and obviously Suarez then came back from injury and all of a sudden we had three left backs. But it's quite clear that, well, first of all, Roy's converted him to much more of a central midfielder than anything else, which is you know, another position for him to play. But I just, yeah, I'm very, very impressed. And I think, again, it's another example of what happens when there's strong competition for places. Uh, Chris, moving us on from from the Schlupp goal, obviously great to get that, you know, tails up and it really did seem to rock for them. Not long after that, PVA scores what has got to be one of the best disallowed goals ever. Um, but finds, him, finds himself, first of all, following the ball, and ending up on the right-hand side in the penalty area as the furthest foot player forward, which I think sums him up as a footballer. Brilliant stuff. But a, a cracking finish, and just the disappointment that that doesn't count, I guess. It is, and it was genuinely offside as well. We can't complain. But um, just a fantastic moment. And that sort of showcases what PVA is all about. Yeah, absolutely. He, mo- he moves around the pitch to an astonishing degree, such that you, you're like, why Why is he there? Um, and... I mean, I've got got to just give you a quick aside about um, that the first goal as well, which is that the that goal kept up an ongoing tradition um, for me and a lot of other people of losing patience, going down and getting a beer, and being outside of the melee as all the celebrations went off. We were lucky there was a screen, so we saw what had happened. Um, but yeah, we missed the goal, and then we missed the other goal. Um, yeah, but it, it was an incredible finish. I have to have to say that about both of them, especially the one for, by PVA. And I, I made a, a remark at the time, you know, what? Yeah, that it was so ridiculous that it was offside. And actually, of course, but that's the rule. It is offside, as one bloke yeah. very kindly pointed out to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, such a shame, you know. You need you, you can be angry about it just for the fact that the goal doesn't get you don't get to count it, but. Um, you know, you do realise that now every time we need a goal, you have to go and get a beer. To be fair, I pretty much do anyway. Yeah, he's going to say that's, <laughs> that's how we met, isn't that it? <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah, Bristol City. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need more than one beer there. Yeah, let's keep oh, the tradition yeah. up anyway. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Good, good one. Um, I was just thinking about the fact that it was PVA that caused that. Anyway, how things oh, change, done. eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah disallowed goal there from PBA then we obviously got into that took us into to half time Palace with their tails up Fulham looking a little rattled and um, obviously the half time talk changed really because it, it looked like it was going to be a, a case of Roy trying to trying to get the players to up their level um, and, and counter some of the, the Fulham pressure but instead it was a case of well you know now we're away from home we're against a side who are going to have to come out of the blocks again so 
you know, now it was about setting ourselves up properly to be able to counter and, and, and kill the game off, which of course we ended up doing beautifully, but it wasn't all plain sailing, was it? So the second half started and we were, you know, we kind of got ourselves off on the front foot a little bit, putting a little bit of pressure on, passing the ball around nicely. But I think a couple of, again, a couple of chances here and there. Um, but the main talking point I would say of the second half was uh, a challenge from Mamadou Sacco and Andre Sherla. Now, I, I, when I saw it as it happened, I thought it was a penalty. And when I saw it on the monitors just in front of us, I thought it was a penalty. But uh, Mike Dean deciding it wasn't. Now, the only credit I can... Well, the only reason I can see for Mike Dean not giving it is it's not immediately clear where the contact is because Sherla's obviously taking the ball on the turn and has allowed himself to sort of slide to the ground. At least that's how you can interpret it. Now, obviously, when you look in super slow motion, you look at the fact there's contact on the rear leg, but... I think he's probably already got like halfway down on the ground when it happens. And I think really that's all that saved us. But bottom line is there is contact and that probably should have been a penalty in my view. Uh, DR, do you agree? Yeah, the first thing I did was just look at Mike Dean straight away and he waved it away and I was so surprised because I think, I know you explained a couple of points there, but as a Premier League uh, referee, you should be able to see that. I saw that all the way from the stands and it was it was blatant penalty and we looked at the monitor and even there it was a blatant penalty and I think that was a bit poor and we were quite lucky and it's good to have luck on your side like that. If, if VAR was introduced then, you know, that would have gone against <laughs> us. That's why one, I was say, one reason why it's I'm against watching, VAR. <laughs> yeah, summer, summer of watching the World Cup had me really worried and I obviously remembered there was no VAR at all. Um, but uh, Mike, your view on the penalty shout? Well, my respect for Mike Dean is awesome. Uh, he's a man that <laughs> he's a man that never makes any mistakes, uh, and he never makes it about him. So I totally back uh, his decision on that one. Yeah, nice to have some support for the referee there for a change from some from supporters there. Well done, Mike Dean. Uh, Chris, um, I suppose difficult to see from the. Uh, hang on, I'm trying to think. Of, it was you know, it was the your it it was our end, end, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What did you reckon? I laughed. It's it was an obvious penalty. <laughs> what can you say there we go exactly so you know that's all that big club bias isn't it <laughs> you get in the Premier nice League nice to be beneficiary for once yeah absolutely right I'll be honest there, were, there was a lot that went on during the game um, particularly a couple of challenges on Wilf that, that got allowed that really shouldn't have done um, and I, you know I've seen someone was suggesting I, I haven't seen the comments but that Chris Sutton was suggesting Wilf Zaha should have got sent off for his reaction to something. And there was nothing in that game that should have been a sending off for Wilf. I really think, you know, there's certain people in the media out to get him. But, you know, I'm just making the point that there were things that, that Mike Dean did that that were certainly unfair from a Palace perspective. However, that's a big, big turning point in the game, I thought. Uh, Mike, then, dear. Can I, can I just ask that we have a blanket ban on Chris Sutton for this season on the pod? Um, he's a waste of oxygen uh, as a pundit and I think uh, making comments like that is no surprise whatsoever. So maybe if we if we find people for mentioning him for the rest of the season, I'll be a happy man. Or we can ask the producer to bleep every time yeah. someone says his yeah, name. Let's go with Try that. that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I was going to talk about Chris. What's what's wrong with him? Why is he so obsessed with Wilf? Has Wilf done something to him personally? <laughs> I'm missing. 
Like, what, um, what, what's up with Chris and his... So he's so biased against Wilf every time, and it's been going on for a while. Why hasn't no? Why isn't no one saying anything about it? I know Alan. Um, what's the name? What's the name? I forgot. Shera. Yeah, Alan Shera. He was. He was a bit, you know, um, biased was Wilf, but now I think he's a bit more fair. But man, geez, yeah, so I think they, they need, well, to, they know, need to be full fair every time we mention his name. Now, I think they should be. Obviously, Dr. Before you were born. Uh, Shearer and Sutton used to be a strike partnership for, for Blackburn Rovers. Makes sense. Uh, they were known as the SAS. Yeah, makes sense now. Jeez, both idiots. Conspiracy, mate. Conspiracy, <laughs> I love you. my conspiracy yeah. theories as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there we go. Let's uh, let's move on from the uh, the penalty that was not given, um, despite contact from Sacco on Shirler. We've uh, and we we you know best possible response. And this, again, it's absolutely glorious. Two Academy products. And it starts with Wan-Bissaka uh, winning, winning out in a battle for the ball, being fouled, not messing about, just getting up, taking the ball past Sessegnon with just just so much ease. He just breezes past him. And then a fantastic, perfectly weighted through ball for Zaha, who takes around the keeper, who in fairness should really have stayed back on his line. No reason to be out there, but lovely compo- composed finish for Zaha just to slot it under him, slowly dribbling the ball into the uh, the empty net. And um, again, very difficult not to celebrate in the home end, um, especially watching it roll quite slowly and, and having a nice beaming smile on my face and then realising I shouldn't be smiling. Um, but managed to cover that up pretty well and very much enjoyed us going 2 up. And I did feel that we, we needed that goal. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we did because I was I was fearing that Fulham was going to push on last ten minutes or so, and and you know you need only one chance in the Premier League. And uh, but yeah, what I like most about that goal is that the fact that Wan Bissaka actually you know he didn't stay on the ground; he stood up straight away. In the Premier League, you see lots of players that just you know that just stay on the ground, ask for free kicks, and if 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 he acted like a typical Premier League player, you know that goal wouldn't have happened. And I'm so pleased as, as much as you know that. That pass was great. I have to give him credit for him just actually standing up. And he's done that all, like, since he's played for Palace. I've never seen him actually go to the ground and actually cry and ask for a foul. And it's actually helped him out a lot. Yeah, just a fantastic attitude. And, uh, of course, another goal uh, from Wilfred Zaha. Brilliant in pre-season, scoring plenty of goals. I have a bet on him, um, which I won't go too much into, but I have a bet on him regarding the uh, number of goals he'll score this season. Chris, he... For me, he looks has all the, the hallmarks of a player who now knows uh, just how important it is that he has an end product. And I think he's perhaps moving away from assists being that end product and starting to focus properly on goals, being an out-and-out forward, because that's where Roy wants him playing. And um, we're starting to, to see the benefit of that. And I think, for me, he's now our, our, our top goal threat. He's evolved and he's grown as a player, Chris, hasn't he? And, you, I mean, physically, you can see that. Um, mentally, I mean, he, he he's still doing the thing of whining when people um, hit him, but then he gets on with it. And, you know, as, as you've said, you know, the just the fact that he's having shots, um, contrast this with, you know, maybe two years ago when there was a genuine debate among Palace fans about who was the better or more in fact, impactful player between him and Yannick Bellassi. Um, and remember the shots that Yannick used to put in, you know, that is not 
remotely what Wilf is doing. If he puts in a shot, it's likely to you know require a save of the keeper or it's going in. Um, he's on fire at the moment, and you know I mean I'm really pleased that he's still here. And you know I hope we don't lose him in January. I hope he stays for this season and maybe beyond. Yeah, I, you know for me, I think I don't know, there's no point being defeatist about it. I think you know this is our, our last year with Wilf, and that's probably how it should be. But I'm. Um, because I, th- I think, depending on how we do this season, unless we start giving him Champions League football, which I may or may not have another bet on that, um, <laughs> unless we start um, giving him Champions League football, it's be very difficult to hold on to him. And I think this is the season where he will make it absolutely um, zero doubt that he is he is absolute top. We class. are fourth people, at the moment. People won't be able to ignore it. Well, exactly. <laughs> if it's if it stayed there right now, stop <laughs> um, the season. Go on, Dio, you want to? You want to jump in there? Uh, what's what's your what's your prediction on how many goals Wilf will score? Why are you not saying it? Are you nervous? Uh, I know I, I didn't go for a number of goals. I'm start. I'm annoyed because I'm starting to wish I did go for for. I, I've said outwardly. I've said over twenty. Yeah, it seemed like you were nervous. So you wasn't saying that. But, but the, just... the, the bet is actually the bet is actually that he's the Premier League top goal scorer, which is a huge ask. But oh, you know, wow. <laughs> I'd be a rich man if he doesn't. <laughs> I didn't know you went that far. Jeez. I did. Too many beers on a weekend, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was. Was that as half a bottle of Beaujolais, actually, mate? I've got a bit of class. Um, <laughs> Mike, over to you. Uh, Wilfred Zaha, obviously talking about the fact that there's goals. Obviously, again, we've drifted into the uh, fact that, you know, he was rumoured to leave. He hasn't left, blah, 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 blah. Um, but are we now seeing him, this kind of free role, this striker role, um, is it is it you know a simple case that people really just stop calling him a winger now? Is this what he really is? This free flowing forward? Well, with a finish like that, yeah. I mean, he had he had help from the keeper. Um, I can't underestimate the role that Mike Dean had in this again as well. Um, I watched uh, goals on Sunday today, and Chris Kamara rightly pointed out that the real man that set up the goal uh, was Mike Dean because he let play go on uh, when Basaka went down. So you know. He, Zaha's not going to have Mike Dean to help him every single game, um, but he, he, yeah, he's he's done. I think he's he's transformed through necessity. Uh, I'm sure if he went back to the left wing, um, if they were to change formation, he'd do just as well. But I cannot see that happening. I think Roy's happy. It's going to carry on like that, um, and it looks as though Zaha's equally happy. Um, and obviously, as fans, we are. So yeah, I, I don't see it changing now. Keep- you remember that debate we used to have a few years back where, you know, obviously Chris has mentioned the whole uh, Zaha Balassi one, but we had this whole thing over Townsend playing on the right and Zaha playing on the left yeah. and how it was negating Zaha's, uh, you know, attributes to play him on the left-hand side. Seems a bit stupid now, doesn't it? Well, I was also a man, when he went to United, I was like, well, I'm just glad it wasn't Balassi. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm often on the losing side of things. Brexit vote, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Wait, no politics. <laughs> Even though I completely agree. Uh, right. <laughs> let's, let's move on before everyone hates us. Um, ah, where was I? Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. We won. Um, ah, yeah, we did win. But just before that, just a quick mention for the fact that it wasn't the last uh, goal mouth action. There was another just tremendous save from Hennessy. This time it was a header from Sessegnon. Um, heading it back across him, um, just showing once again, yeah, that in this game, his his uh, his reactions were just absolutely 
spot on from start to finish, just getting a hand to tip it wide um, and just, just brilliant. And, you know, yep, we, we, we ended up a two, two new winners. Um, obviously fantastic chances from Fulham in the game. Hennessy keeping us in it at times, but overall you've got to say our class did show um, and we ended up really deserving to win that game. Um, we've talked about the brilliant battle between Wambazaka and Sessegnon. So let's get on to talking about man of the match. Um, DR, you ran a poll. Um, I've also had a look at the BBS poll. Everybody, well, I'd say 60% on the BBS, and it was 66% in the poll that we ran uh, in favour of Wayne Hennessy. Within second place was Wambasaka with most of the rest of the votes and no one else really sparking any kind of reaction there. Going around the panel, is it Wayne Hennessy for you as well, Chris? I'd have gone for Wambasaka myself, but you know, I mean, he he had a fantastic game, but so did Hennessy. So both worthy winners in my view. There we go. Yeah, Basaka was excellent, and um, I think you know it is. We've talked about it. it. Is worth noting just how you know Sessegnon effectively gave up early on. He was the only time he really got any joy was when he went to like the goal side of Basaka, got in between him and, and Tompkins, and sort of played it that way. But even then. Bissaka just kind of adjusted and he made it impossible for Sessegnon to have any real uh, effect on the game. So yeah, absolutely right, Chris. He, he had a superb game, but uh, there you go. Mike Hennessy for you or Bissaka or a random other choice? I think we will tell later on in the season when we see how other people deal with Sessegnon because he is a real handful. And I think that that, that performance from Wan-Bissaka might look better in a few weeks' time. Um, personally, I, I, it was a toss-up between him, Hennessy and PVA. Um, and I thought that was a bit weird considering how essentially once once the second goal went in, um, you kind of knew that there was not a chance in hell that we were going to probably even concede one, let alone two. Um, I thought it was strange that for such a decent display, I was thinking about two defenders and the keeper as the as the, the, the men of the match. Um, yeah. You know, it looked like we were going to score most times we went forward. It could have been four, could have been five. Um, so it does show that Fulham, you know, they're putting some effort. If if we're talking about two of the defenders and the keeper being, being the ones that I choose, I'd probably go Hennessy in the end just because I did not expect that. Um, you know, I, I, I thought Wambasaka would do all right, but I did not expect Hennessy's performance. Yeah, I agree with what you say about Fulham as well. And I suppose in the same way you say the Bissaka performance might look better late in the season, I think the result against Fulham might look better late it, in the season will. than a few other teams. It will, unless and, unless they keep allowing space behind them like that. I know they're 1-0 down and it had to happen, but you know it's shown in the last couple of years that, that teams that take over a lot of possession in the Premier League, they then get hit on the counter by fast teams and pace is so important. I think they're going to have to learn that pretty quickly. Um, they're a they're a better side than a 2-0 defeat. Absolutely right. Okay, Kernas, your man of the match, please. Uh, it has to be a Hennessy for me. I think he saved us. If you know, if anyone, if any of them shots did go in, it could have been a totally different game. And hopefully he keeps that up because it'll be quite interesting. With, uh, some people want a guy to the start. And if he does keep that up, I guess everyone will be pro Hennessy. <laughs> yeah, and, and rightly so. If he does, that's that's the way it should work. Um, like I say, really glad to see Hennessy proving proving doubters wrong. But you know, at the same time, you've, you've got to add that at some stage the doubters were right. You know, so let's hope that that form continues, and, and in fact, you know, potentially could improve because he's got everything that you, you need as a top class keeper, and um, in terms of his, his physical stature, and now he looks like he's 
he correctly focused and up for it. And again, you've got to put some credit into the coaching um, to get him into that position. But at the same time, you know, I'm going to say, you know, obviously it's the same Wayne Hennessy man of the match. And I want most of the credit you can talk about the coaching or whatever, but most of the credit goes to Wayne Hennessy for sticking at it for, you know, he said before he's, he's understood that not, he's not the fans favorite. You know, he came in to replace an absolute club legend and he's had a hard time at palace and for him to be standing there, keeping a clean sheet against Fulham with the fans behind him singing his name after a man of the match performance, that is his reward for sticking at it and, and putting the effort in. So fair play to Wayne Hennessy and, and long may that continue. Um, so last thing I wanted to mention, gents, and I suppose, Dio, you and I spoke about this at the game. It was a little bit of a cameo from Jake Coyote, who had a had a shot, saved quite well at the, uh, at the near post just at the end. But just a little glimpse of, of him and, and what he might bring to the side. Obviously, very, very tall, not particularly, he's, you know, he's quite rangy, quite, uh, you know, quite sort of slim, but still sort of oozes a bit of class and a bit of power. What, you know, what do you think he brings to the side? And, and you know, can you see him, you know, becoming a, you know, a quick fan's favourite? It's a bit weird because when we did sign him, I didn't expect him to start and I still don't. I think he's a very good squad player. Don't get me wrong. You know, he's he's good at defending. And if we're if we're up, just like we were yesterday, bringing him on and having him next to Luca, that's, that's absolutely brilliant because they're both rock solid. But then again, I just I just fear that if we have Curti and uh, Luca starting, we're going to be a bit defensive. That's why, um, you know, um, I expect Maka to start ahead of Keate. But yeah, I'm I'm super excited though. Him as a squad player is brilliant. Last season, we didn't have anyone like him. You know, read the world, you could argue. But apart from read the world, we didn't have anyone like him. And I was watching the Liverpool game today where Stam clearly missed him. And hopefully it's one of them, just like James Tompkins, one of them bargains that we got from West Ham. And- All right, we're going to... I'm going to leave it with just your opinion. Uh, I'm sure Mike and Chris will get to stress theirs later uh, in this season, although we do have some questions coming up where this subject is also there as well. So we'll see how that works out in a sec. Um, But thank you, gents. So uh, last part of the show today, we're going to get to your contact, your questions, and we'll begin with Mr. Cadbury's Parrot, which is obviously a fantastic name. Uh, That's on Twitter, that's his name. But then you look at the at and it's just Mr. C Parrot. So clearly it's his actual name. He is Mr. Cadbury's Parrot. Um, And he said, which side impressed you most from the weekend? And um, I'm actually going to start with you, DR, because you just mentioned them. So for me, it would be Liverpool um, looked very, very, very impressive today. I'm not sure how uh, good Liverpool were versus how bad West Ham were. But I think of all the teams that I've seen this this, uh, opening round, they they were the ones that looked a proper team. Yeah, um, I've, before today, I would have probably picked Newcastle. Despite losing, they created a decent amount of chances against a good Tottenham side, um, but they just wasn't clinical enough. But after today, as for Liverpool, they're just so dangerous in attack. And it's going to be interesting next week, uh, Monday, when we face them, because they've they've improved a squad which is already very dangerous. And this season, they could be a real threat in the Premier League. So I'll probably have to go with Liverpool um, due to how okay. they play today. Nice one. Mike, uh, anything different to say in terms of the team that suppressed you this weekend? I'm going to go Huddersfield because I'm a spiteful bastard and they beat us 3-0 last year. So it was great to see that. <laughs> really yeah, yeah. They're going to struggle this year, I think, bless them. Um, uh, as, our, as our Cardiff, in my view. Chris, any uh, other teams uh, sort of 
impressed you in any way so far? Well, Liverpool looked fantastic. Um, but, I mean, the, the team I would pick out from yesterday actually was Wolves. Um, I, th- I think they may be dark horses. And, you know, I mean, everyone always expects promoted teams to struggle. Um, but obviously they've had a lot of money spent on them. And I, I think, you know, I mean, they've, they've got some really exciting players, you know, especially in Nevers. So, you know, let, let's see how that goes. But, it's, you know, that's going to be an interesting game uh, when we play them as well. Yeah, Nevers is a is a serious, serious player. I'm not sure how long he'll be with them. Uh, Z Block Party Zaha, which is an excellent name, has got two questions. The first of which will be who is who will be the first of the summer signings to start for us, and who will he dislodge? I'm going to ask you that, Chris. Kiate, um, at Schlup. That's yeah, a very simple Kiyate. answer, but um, no, on on a serious <laughs> level, he he's attacking. Um, but he can also tighten up, and I think we, you know that may happen against Liverpool. Actually, let's see. Yeah, I honestly thought that that might that that would be the case, um, but then Schlupp played so well against Fulham that my whole world's turned upside down, and I don't know how to answer that question, so I'm not gonna. Um, I'll also move on to his next question, which I will ask Mike. Mike, he's also asked, would we have won yesterday without Wilf? Oh, that's really difficult to say. Um, he did occupy two defenders as usual, and I think PVA had a ton of space behind him. Uh, so I would think it would have been a lot more difficult. It's, it's, it's just a question that's impossible to answer, isn't it, really? It is. I mean, there's little doubt that any game we play will be a better side with Wilf in it than not in it. Um, but at the same time, you've got to respect our manager who... You know, I'm sure he'd have had a different game plan and it's all to do with what other people would take the place and all that kind of stuff. But it's, I understand the question completely. You know, Wilf is still a vital component. And all of last season, you know, we didn't win any games or any points or score any goals without him in the side. Um, whether that would still be the case this season, I would sincerely hope not. But it remains to be seen. Hopefully we don't have to find out. Okay, next question. Gary T123. Is competition for the shirt the main reason for Wayne Hennessy's performance against Fulham. DR, you can take that one. Is it the fact that Vicente Guaita's there waiting in the wings? Has that really pushed Wayne on? It plays a part, but it's not, I don't think it's uh, it's just as a single factor. He was consistent towards the end of last season and I think he just carried that on. Um, of course, Vicente does play a part because, you know, now Hennessy does know that if he does mess up, there's an actual goalkeeper who, who's, who on paper is very good. I could take his spot, but then I think I don't think it's a, a most important factor. I think him playing consistently last season, I think that is what uh, what um, made him play so well yesterday. There you go. I, I do get completely what you're saying. I mean, I am a a, a big fan of competition for places. I, you know, we've seen. I can remember when um, when I think it was actually when Wayne joined that it really spurred Julian Speroni on to some of his best form. Um, in the top division and you always see it again you go to go to yesterday about how well the whole team played and you think about the players that are sitting there waiting to come in um, knowing that that if you have a bad game there is a very very good player there waiting to take your shirt and you may not you may not get it back uh, it truly is um, you know one of the biggest ways of, of motivating the team to play well but uh, good good question there Gary uh, okay next one up is Joshua Bowen who do you think should start Maka or, or Kuyate obviously Chris has answered that in the sense that he would he would drop Slup for Kuyate instead so Mike I'm going to ask this to you is there a an argument to drop Maka for Kuyate um, or can we accommodate both or what do you think about that 
Well, we know how Roy works and he's not going to change a winning side anyway. Um, I could see I could see it working if, if needs be, if there's an injury later on. Um, I can see Kiyate having to drop back in defence sometime as well. Uh, I think we'll probably tell when the League Cup comes in, in in a few weeks' time. I'm sure he'll he'll play the sort of positions that he'd expect he'd want the new signings in um, if they could be in the side, and we'll see from there. Yeah, definitely. And that follows on to a question that I'll take, and that's Kevin. He's got in touch saying, could Schlupp be the surprise of the season, a goal-scoring midfielder who, with a run of games, could keep out our new signings? And First of all, you know, Schlupp surprised me. Uh, against Fulham, an absolutely excellent game. Having said that, he's been playing pretty well in pre-season as well. Um, he's looking very comfortable in a sort of narrow central midfield role, uh, but also using the attributes he already has to uh, to get involved further up the pitch. And um, you know, he's a good defensive presence in the midfield as well. So again, you know, Mike talked about it earlier. A fantastic utility player who can fill in all all over the pitch. Um, and he's again, he's a proper Palace type of player. Um, it's hard not to be overwhelmingly positive about everybody at the moment. So the way you look at it, and, and again, going back to what Mike said, Roy doesn't like to change a winning side. Um, at the moment, you know, he, he will keep out the new signings. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, players with a class of, of you know, Max Mayer and Jake Cuyate and, you know, then looking ahead and seeing when Jordan I use fit, those are players that are going to put so much pressure on those in the team to get involved. And they'll also, you know, probably start as options off the bench. But, you know, there's always a always a surprise in the season somewhere. You know, it was Wan-Bissaka last year, uh, and Jeff Schlupp becoming a goal scoring midfielder of, of you know real threat and promise certainly could happen. He's shown all the signs of it against Fulham, but it's great to be talking about this kind of stuff rather than you know who on earth <laughs> who on earth's going to play next week. We're in a position of asking that for a completely different reason this year, and um, long may that continue as well but let's be realistic there's going to be loss of form there's going to be injuries there's going to be suspensions and all of these players uh, will have to play a part and um, the only thing we do know is if they play well Roy will let them hold on to the shirt and if they lose their form uh, that's when we start to see the changes thank you to everybody there for those questions absolutely brilliant Um, don't forget keep an eye on our social media to get your questions in in the future Um, gents before we go any other business Mike, you've put a hand up. Yeah, I just wanted to say um, I was meant to be going to the game yesterday with my uncle, who's been a Fulham fan for about fifty years or so. I think he's, he's you know, he's, he's been, he's been, he's been had a box there and all sorts. Um, he's gone totally blind now, so he he wasn't able. This is the first season he's given up his season ticket. So um, we had a bet on for a tenner. Um, whoever lost the game would have to donate some money to charity. But uh, I think I'll put in a tenner for the for the guide dogs trust as well. So um, yeah, feel feel bad for him. No, that's that's a harsh thing. That's one of the things that you if you're going to lose something, you know, I'd, I'd, you know, losing your sight. I don't know. Sometimes with Palace, it would be a blessing. I think. But well, the, um, the last time we were both there was the friendly preseason a couple of years ago. I think we got beat then. Um, but. Yeah, I'd be gutted to not being able to, to to watch the football. It must be it must be hard. Just a bit of a downer for the end of the pod. Yeah, cheers for that, mate. No. Now, obviously, th- thoughts with him uh, missing out on football. It's one of those things I couldn't miss out on it. It's uh, you know a very important part. I'm sure everyone listening to this, it's a huge part of their lives as well. And we can all all have sympathy with your uncle. So uh, you know, thoughts with him there, mate. And um, there we go. Uh, anything else anyone wants to bring up? 
silence. Uh, no clappers, no clappers, please, at Palace. Never ever. Oh, if we if we do if we do go down, if we do win the league, if we win the Champions League, no matter what happens, no clappers at Salos. <laughs> please. Um, we had clappers once again in a game against Watford. It's somewhere I kept it just just to remind myself that once we were that rubbish that we decided that clappers would be a good idea. It's horrible, isn't it? I will say credit to some a large percentage of the Fulham support who had ditched them within the first 15 minutes or so. But some of them just kept holding those things on. They're also, you know, they're everywhere, aren't they? I mean, Huddersfield have it as like a, a stamp of pride. You could, you just, what is wrong with people? Um, obviously, we clap with our hands. That's just how it works. So well remembered that they are disgusting behaviour, that. And uh, yeah. Victory for the anti-clappers. Anyway, thank you very much. Right, so thank you to listening to the show. Thank you to my panel and to Mikey for producing. You can subscribe to our show via your chosen podcast apps so you don't miss a thing, so make sure you do that. We've got three shows a week now, so it really is worth doing. Do check out the Back of the Nest social media accounts as this is where you can get in touch with us to help shape the show over the course of the season. I'll be back to review the Liverpool game next week. Goodbye. Back of the Nest Match Review Podcast. www.backofthenest.com The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them, honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.